This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 101 A Sitcom Review in Chronological Order From the SFPPN Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, Announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1980. Good Time Girls premiered on ABC on January 22, 1980 at 8.30 p.m. Another entry from the Gary Marshall Miller Milkis factory, they figured a 50s sitcom worked well, so how about the 40s? Four young women wind up sharing an apartment in wartime Washington, D.C., Edith, Annie Potts, works at the Office of Price Administration. Betty, Lorna Patterson, works at a defense plant. Lorette, Georgia Engel, works for a bureaucrat. And Camille, Francine Tacker, is a reporter. Adrian Zamed and Peter Scolari live in the same building. And Merwin Goldsmith and Marcia Lewis are the landlords. One of Annie Potts' earliest roles was opposite a then-unknown Mark Hamill in Corvette Summer, which earned her a Golden Globe nom. She spent much of the 80s in films, Heartaches, Crimes of Passion, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Who's Harry Crumb, and her best-known film role, Janine, in the Ghostbusters franchise. She's scheduled to appear in the upcoming reboot. She also started a long run as a TV regular in the 80s, Designing Women, Love and War with an Emmy nom, Dangerous Minds, Over the Top, Any Day Now, Two SAG noms, Joan of Arcadia, Men in Trees, GCB, with recurring work on Huff, Law & Order SVU, Chicago Med, and The Fosters. She's been playing Bo Peep in the Toy Story franchise since the 90s and is currently Meemaw on Young Sheldon. Francine Tacker had already been a regular on The Paper Chase prior to the series and would go on to O Madeline. Character actor Merwin Goldsmith went on to the miniseries Kennedy, recurred on Law and & Order, and appeared in films Making Mr. Right, Quiz Show, and The Hurricane, but was better known for Broadway, The Visit, Chemine de Fur, the 1940s Radio Hour, Me and My Girl, and Grand Hotel. He passed in 2019. Lorna Patterson had just come off another flop, Working Stiffs, episode 99. We covered Georgia Engel for Mary Tyler Moore Show, episode 56, Adrian Zamed in episode 95 for Flatbush, Monica Lewis in episode 92 for Who's Watching the Kids, and we'll cover Peter Scolari for his better-known roles very soon. This show's quick demise freed him up for one of them. Good Time Girls was all about the girls, their relationships, and 1940s-style dancing. It was also an opportunity for other members of the Gary Marshall stable to guest star, Scott Baio and Michael McKeon, just two examples. But the show never gelled. It ran after Happy Days for a few weeks, then came back a few months later, and then the final episodes were burned off in the summer. Could only find the closing credits online from a TV Land airing. Stay tuned for That Girl. When the Whistle Blows premiered on ABC on March 14, 1980, what today would be called a one-hour dramedy. 
It's all about a group of construction workers that hang out together. Dolph Sweet plays the old man, Doug Barr the party guy, Philip Brown the college graduate, Tim Rosovic the strong guy, and Susan Buckner is the only girl who can construct with the best of them. Alice Herson plays Sweet's wife, Gary Allen plays the foreman, Noble Willingham plays another worker, and Sue Ann Langdon runs the local hangout. Dolph Sweet had planned to be a football player but was called into service in World War II during his college days, later spending two years as a POW. He did play some semi-pro ball after the war but wound up in acting, at one point heading up the drama department at Bernard College. Broadway beckoned, Rhinoceros, The Sign in Sidney Brewston's Window, and Streamers, as well as TV mostly as a cop, The Defenders, The Doctors and the Nurses, The Trials of O'Brien, Another World. Films included Finian's Rainbow, Colossus the Forbin Project, The Out-of-Towners, The Lords of Flatbush, The Taking of Pelham 123, Heaven Can Wait, and Reds. He followed up Whistle with a regular role on Gimme a Break, which he played until his death of cancer in 1985. Doug Barr followed up Whistle with a long run on The Fall Guy, as well as The Wizard and Designing Women. He switched to directing TV movies and currently runs a vineyard. Tim Rosovich was a pro football player with the Eagles, Chargers, and Oilers playing in the 1969 Pro Bowl. When that career ended, he switched to acting, mostly in TV guest roles. Whistle was his only regular series, Rosovich passed in 2018. Susan Buckner was Miss Washington in 1971 and a top 10 finalist for Miss America. She went on to mostly TV guest roles. She was a Croftette dancer on the Brady Bunch Variety Hour and played a cheerleader in the film Grease. Alice Herson did some off-Broadway work before moving to TV, especially soaps. Another World, One Life to Live, General Hospital, Dallas... She was also a regular or recurrent on Home Fires, Ellen, Seventh Heaven, and The Secret Life of the American Teenager, and films Being There and Revenge of the Nerds. Gary Allen went on to Harper Valley PTA and Santa Barbara with films Annie Hall and The Hudsucker Proxy. Noble Willingham served in the Army during the Korean War, then taught economics before switching to acting, auditioning for The Last Picture Show, with other films Paper Moon, Chinatown, Norma Ray, The Howling, Independence Day, La Bamba, Good Morning Vietnam, City Slickers, The Hudsucker Proxy. He was a regular or recurred on Alice, Cutter to Houston, Ann Gillian, and Walker, Texas Ranger. He left that series for an unsuccessful run for the U.S. House of Representatives. And we covered Philip Brown back in episode 52 for The Doris Day Show and Sue Ann Langdon in episode 55 for Arnie. When the Whistleblows ran for several weeks before being burned off that summer, I happened to find an episode on YouTube. While the opening theme is country wacky, the actual show seems more like an action series with tiny spots of humor. Barbie Benton guest stars in a last gasp of Jiggle TV, along with Dave Madden as a beauty pageant promoter, of course. Many of the scenes are clearly shot on Universal's backlot. Two jerks from the country want to force Benton's character into a marriage with a B story about a war orphan. We also get a song from Ms. Benton. I think my TV Bible, the complete directory to primetime network and cable TV shows, mislabeled this one. If this is a sitcom, The Fall Guy is a sitcom. There's even a fight scene in a bar. I'm shocked Stephen J. Cannell isn't involved.
Bedford premiered on NBC on March 15, 1980 at 9 p.m., yet another attempt to resuscitate the corpse of Sanford and Son. This time they managed to get Red Fox to return back running the junk dealership. There was no dummy to be found, so Rollo, Nathaniel Taylor, a Sanford retread, along with Cal, Dennis Berkeley, a dumpy Southern guy, became his partners. He also had a new girlfriend, Eve Marguerite Ray, a Beverly Hills heiress, while her daughter, Suzanne Stone, her brother, Percy Rodriguez, and their maid, Kathy Cooper, couldn't figure out what she saw in him. Aunt Esther's college student son, Cliff, Clinton Derrick's Carroll moved in as a boarder just to give Fred more people to complain about. Marguerite Ray had already appeared on Sanford and Son as a different character and went on to a run on The Young and the Restless. Percy Rodriguez's career goes back to the 30s doing stage work in Canada. Despite accolades, he worked as a machinist to make ends meet. He eventually made it to Broadway, Toys in the Attic, Blues for Mr. Charlie, and TV with regular or recurring roles on Shoestring Theater, Peyton Place, Mission Impossible, The Silent Force, Medical Center, Arthur Haley's The Money Changers, Executive Suite, Benson, and Foofer, that was voice work. He also played a Commodore on the original Star Trek series. Rodriguez passed in 2007. Now, we covered Red Fox and Nathaniel Taylor for Sanford and Son, episode 62, and Dennis Berkeley in episode 97 for Hanging In. NBC had high hopes for Sanford. Their overall ratings were in a nosedive, and they saw the series as their salvation. Despite a massive promotional campaign, the show quickly sank after 14 episodes. The network was determined to make it work, so Sanford's stalwarts Aunt Esther and Grady became recurring characters in the second season. It was no good. The show was gone after 12 more episodes. BET showed the series for a while, and today you can find it on Crackle. I watched the first episode. They literally recycled the classic series theme as well as the overall plot line. We learn that Lamont is working on the Alaska Pipeline. At one point, Fred actually says, You knew, dummy! The laugh track is laid on thick. The humor is tenuous at best, but Fox tries his best. Max premiered on NBC on March 22, 1980 at 9.30 p.m. It's a wacky comedy about neglectful parents. Joe Santos plays a dad who walked out of his family's life years ago, and now the ex-wife has decided to live it up, dumping Max, Melissa Michelson, on his front door and splitting. Jenny Sullivan played the dad's business partner-slash-girlfriend, Jim Weston, the next-door neighbor, with Gary Evans as the elevator operator. Joe Santos played semi-pro football and served in the Korean War prior to his showbiz career. His friend Al Pacino got him a role in The Panic in Needle Park, followed by Shaft's Big Score and Blue Thunder. He had more success on TV, Police Story, The Rockford Files, a.k.a. Pablo, Hardcastle and McCormick, Magnum P.I., Santa Barbara, and The Sopranos. Santos passed in 2018. Melissa Michelson's brother is Peter Billingsley. You'll shoot your eye out and both were child actors. 
She appeared in many commercials, reportedly paired with Joe Santos, where Fred Silverman allegedly spotted them and loved their chemistry, which apparently didn't translate to the show. Michelson also appeared in TV movies, including two called Goldie and the Boxer. She would make several attempts at regular TV roles, which didn't pan out, with her last role in 1991. Jenny Sullivan is the daughter of Broadway singers, and she started doing guest TV roles in the late 60s. Me and Max was her only regular TV series, but she did appear in the sci-fi V saga. Sullivan later taught drama at the University of California at Santa Barbara. Me and Max aired 10 episodes sporadically between March and July of 1980. As noted, there was no chemistry between the leads, which for a show that is supposed to end with an aww is a problem. The name Max came from producer James Comack's daughter. Apart from a full-length version of the show's theme, which is very treacly, and a quick promo, there's very little evidence of the show's existence. Rowdy redhead heading for the big time Looking like a Texas sequin star Making eyes at every tight jean to cowboy Sassing good old boys around the bar Flo's yellow rose Flo premiered on CBS on March 24th, 1980 at 9.30 p.m. Polly Holiday's sassy waitress from Alice gets her own spinoff. On the way to a new hostess job, she comes across a rundown roadhouse in her hometown, and based on TV logic, she buys it. Now she has to deal with a sexist bartender, Jeffrey Lewis, banker Jim B. Baker, mother Sudie Bond, straight-laced sister Lucy Lee Flippin, childhood friend-slash-waitress Joyce Bulafont, piano player Stephen Keep, and regulars Leo Bermster and Mickey Jones. Now, of course, we covered Polly Holiday in episode 81 for Alice, Joyce Bulafon in episode 53 for Tom, Dick, and Mary, and we saw Sudi Bond on the New Temperatures Rising, episode 63. Jeffrey Lewis was a longtime character actor with 224 IMDb credits, a regular or recurring on Gunshy, Falcon Crest, Murder, She Wrote, Land's End, and films High Plains Drifter, Smile, Heaven's Gate, and Catch Me If You Can. Lewis passed in 2015. Lucy Lee Flippin entered showbiz via Holiday on Ice before switching to acting. During the flow run, she had a recurring role on Little House on the Prairie, going next into The Last Precinct and films Annie Hall and Flashdance. Flippin retired in 2008. Leo Bermster received a drama degree and taught for a year prior to acting in Broadway's Big River, Les Miserables, and Thou Shalt Not, as well as a regular or recurring role on True Blue, Arresting Behavior, and Trinity. Directors John Sales and Sidney Lumet like to use him, films such as Cruising, Broadcast News, The Last Temptation of Christ, The Abyss, City by the Sea, Gangs of New York. Bermster passed in 2007. Mickey Jones was a character actor, recurring or irregular on Rolling on the River, Home Improvement, Justified, and films Stir Crazy, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Total Recall, and Sling Blade. Even with a guest appearance by Vic Tabak as Mel, Flo didn't last long. It had a short six-episode season with a Bazinga score of 4.2, followed by one regular season involving a time slot change, dooming the series. Polly Holiday did earn Emmy and Golden Globe noms for her role, and Jeffrey Lewis got a Golden Globe nom as well. 
found an episode on YouTube. Hoyt Axton sings the opening theme, which explains the concept. Holiday really sells the flow role. The plot is the classic TV trope, an old beau comes back to town. More of 1980s sitcoms in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm finding this episode in the archive. Tune in next time. <laughs>